Some of you may remember the name Jessica McClure. But maybe even more of you will remember the name Baby Jessica. She was the subject of a 1989 television movie which came from an incident <coughs> that happened in 1987 in October where 18-month-old Jessica fell into a well in her aunt's backyard as the kids were playing. It happened in Midland, Texas. It was a dry well, so there was no worry of her drowning, thankfully. But she had fallen 22 feet below the surface of the ground. She had just kind of slid down that well. And the well casing was only eight inches wide. So she was just kind of stuck down there. And as rescuers were called to the scene, what looked at first to be a fairly easy task for those that were uh, going to dig and save her turned into a 56-hour-long, arduous rescue effort with eventually many watching throughout, throughout the whole world. People were watching and praying and hoping. It ended up that the workers had trouble finding tools that could penetrate the hard rock that surrounded the, the well. Uh, they decided that they would have to, you know, dig another shift, uh, uh, dig another shaft parallel to the well, and then be and then try to drill into the tunnel, which made it hard because the jackhammers weren't made to go sideways, you know, to hold up like that. They, during this process, they were able to reach a mining in engineer who eventually helped to supervise and coordinate the rescue effort. And TV viewers watched as paramedics, rescuers, drilling experts, and contractors worked more than two days to try to save Jessica's life. Now, during that time, there was one bit of super encouraging news that came from the well when one of the workers who was down in there said he could hear Jessica singing Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> and that kind of lit up everybody's hopes. Um, the Midland Fire Department <clears throat> paramedic Robert O'Donnell was ultimately able to inch his way into the tunnel and wrestle Jessica free from her confines. She was handed from paramedic to paramedic up the shaft until she was taken to an awaiting ambulance. And throughout America, and even across the world, everyone cheered. <laughs> She's wearing President Bush's glasses right there as they watched Jessica being carried away from the well. And that was the television movie that came out two years later, and it was called Everybody's Baby, the, Resi the Rescue of Jessica McClure. And here she is today, 30 years old. I think she lost one toe in the whole incident. 
she was down there just squished and trapped for you know 56 hours I guess <coughs> or, or probably more could there be a more thrilling rescue story and could there be a story with more of a positive outcome well you know this morning we have a bit of a rescue story in our Bible passage but the cheering takes place in our story among the angels in heaven. We've reached the very last part of the book of James, the last two verses. It's actually one sentence in the book of James. And in these verses, we, we talk about a rescue that makes an eternal difference. So I want to read the verses first of all. It says, my brothers and sisters, this is James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, the last sentence of the book of James. It says, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from their error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Now that's a rescue, isn't it? But what I want to do is begin with a few questions just to kind of get us into the subject. <clears throat> Have you ever found yourself in any part of your life doubting things you've been taught about the Bible or about Christianity, or about heaven or hell? You ever remember times when maybe you thought, is this just something I've been taught, or do I really believe it? Because, you know, it's not uncommon for people to question their faith, especially if they've learned it from a young age, and then as they grow into teenage years and young adult years, you know, you kind of reevaluate things according to an older mindset, an older understanding and that can be very normal for someone transitioning from childhood into adulthood to question things to see if they really believe it and it's it's a good thing also but then you know we probably all know people who don't just question the faith but they end up leaving the church or walking away from the faith or turning their backs on God and there's for all kinds of reasons. Someone may feel they've been badly treated by another Christian or even by their church. Some have said that they felt their church abandoned them in their very uh, strong time of need. Some have said that they felt God himself abandoned them in their time of need. And then there are others who fall into destructive traps and they end up wandering away from God. And it may be illegal drugs, it may be immorality, it may be being drawn into the party scene as they go to college, but they end up moving into a whole different lifestyle that's just incompatible with Christian living. And then at some point they have to make a choice. <coughs> Am I going to try to keep a foot in both worlds, or am I just going to go over to one? 
And then there are some who are not well grounded in the Word of God, and they end up falling for cleverly packaged teachings that kind of sound Christian and use some Christian words, but they're really based on, when you get down to it, they're really based on self-service, self-serving, or even placing humanity above God. Others are led away from God through wrong kind of friends. And then there are those that just have this rebellious streak, and they're tired of these restrictive Christian standards. Now, there's probably others also, but those are the ones that just came to my mind. Now, you know, just overall, personally, I'm a big believer in people making their own choices, that you can't really force people into your choices. And Christianity is, is something that you cannot force people into in its real form because it's a religion of the heart. No one else can believe for you, can they? You know, to be a Christian requires a sincere belief in the gospel message. <clears throat> I mean, you are staking your eternal life on the belief that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God who had no beginning, who came to this earth and was born, became a man through birth, through human birth, gave his life as a sacrifice, lived a sinless life, gave his life as a sacrifice so that anybody who would turn to him in true faith would be forgiven. And nobody can be forced into that belief, can they? They can be led there and encouraged there, but they can't be forced to finally make that decision. And so it follows that it is up to each individual person whether, the, whether they will choose Christ as their Savior and if they will follow Christ in their life. But what should we do when we see someone who has claimed to be a Christian, we, maybe we're sure they were a Christian in our minds, and we see them walk away from God? Well, Listen again to what James says. He's talking to the faithful about those who walk away. <clears throat> it's our same two verses. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. He's really talking about how great it is to be able to help someone turn back to God. How wonderful of a thing that it is. It's like snatching them from the jaws of death. And it becomes even greater than taking somebody out of a well. But let's first talk about truth, because truth has changed a little bit in our culture. Many people today will say that there isn't just one truth. They've really just basically redefined the, the uh, word truth. <clears throat> you know, um, the, I might have mentioned this before here, but the 2016 word of the year from the Oxford Dictionary was post-truth. 
meaning we're beyond the time of truth. Like, you know, there was postmodernity, <clears throat> meaning we moved out of the scientific age. Now we're in post-truth. And <clears throat> what people will say there is, you know, that's your truth. It's not my truth. Which changes the whole meaning of truth, doesn't it? But James here is telling us that there is one truth. If one of you should wander from the truth and someone brings that person back. Now you, you may remember the gospel account of Jesus being questioned by Pontius Pilate. He was the Roman governor at the time of Jesus. <clears throat> and the Jews had turned <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus over to Pontius Pilate because they wanted him executed, they wanted him killed, and the Jews were not allowed under the Roman government to do executions. So they turned him over to Pilate, and they were trying to get him committed, you know, trying to get him uh, sentenced guilty so that, that the Roman government could kill him. Pilate couldn't see anything wrong that he had done. And so he was really trying to release him. But the Jews were telling Pilate that he is claiming to be a king. And see, now that would be encroaching upon something that Rome would react against because no one was supposed to claim to be a king, only Caesar. But I want you to look what Jesus says to Pilate at this point in their discussion. It's in John chapter 18. <clears throat> and this is after a, a few words before this that Jesus says to him that he, his kingdom is not of this world. And so Pilate responds to that by saying, oh, then you are a king. And Jesus says, you say that I am a king, he answered. For this reason I was born and have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Now, do you remember what Pilate says to that or answers to that? In one Bible it says it was a retort. What is truth, Pilate asks. So even way back in Jesus' day, people questioned the idea of there being really an absolute truth or one truth or that even somebody could know the truth. I mean, how could anybody even know the truth? That's kind of what Pilate is saying. What is truth? But James and Jesus say there is one truth. And Jesus says he came into the world to testify to that truth. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. And we also read that Jesus said to Pilate, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So guess what that means? I mean, if you take that and kind of work it out logically, it means that when James talks about someone wandering from the truth, it means that that person has quit listening to Jesus. They've closed off their mind and their ears to Jesus. 
That person is either listening to their own selfish desires or maybe someone else's false teaching or philosophy or lies that come from Satan who is trying to lure us away from God. But they're not listening to Jesus who is truth and who speaks truth, speaks nothing but the truth. But now, when James refers to someone wandering from the truth, if one of you should wander from the truth, he's using a word there that is used of sheep that have become lost, sheep that have lost their way, and somebody has to go and bring them back. That's what that word was used as. It was used for somebody just going astray, getting off the right pathway, or someone being deluded or purposely misled, someone being deceived or even played for a fool, someone using flawed judgment that would lead them to the wrong answer. And you know, it's interesting that many times when someone walks away from Christ, they believe they are smarter than everybody who stays true to Christ. If y'all were as smart as me, you'd be leaving Christ too. But it actually proves how deluded their thinking has become. You know, probably most of us know people who have turned away from Christ. The Bible speaks of it over and over again. So what is James' solution or advice to the faithful when someone turns away from the truth? <clears throat> well, we saw, he says there, when someone wanders from the truth and someone should bring that person back. He wants someone to bring him back, doesn't he? God wants someone to try to bring that person back. He doesn't want us just to say, well, see you later. He wants us to perform a rescue mission. And you saw how hard everybody was working to get Jessica out of that, that shaft. Listen to the verses again. <clears throat> My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. <clears throat> so the good thing to do is to bring that person back to the truth, right? To try to help that person see the truth of the gospel message. Now, you know, when we talk about bringing a person back to the truth, we can get into this big theological issue of whether a true believer can totally walk away from their faith. And, and you know, we, we might ask, is that even possible? But that is an issue that Christians have differed, have different views and have differed for many, many years. Many believe that if a person has wandered from the faith and they have clearly denied the faith, then they believe that person really never could have been fully in the truth. But many others believe that a true believer can turn away from the faith and completely walk away from the faith. But 
we're not really here to solve that <clears throat> forever issue. What we don't want to do is just talk about someone who wanders away from the truth, whether they were there or not fully, and how we might be able to help that person come back to Christ, because there's great reward in that. He sees that as a, a great thing to do, is to be able to help somebody come back to Christ. And James says, whoever is able to turn that person back to Christ will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. And the idea here is that if someone is successful in helping someone who has turned away from Christ, and whatever that means as far as where they were at the beginning, <clears throat> then that helper uh, has helped rescue that person from eternal death and has helped him or her find forgiveness for their sins. I mean, that's a greater rescue than Jessica's rescue. And he's probably referring to, when he says, the multitude of sins, <clears throat> and, and cover over a multitude of sins, he's probably referring to the turning away, and then maybe all the sins committed after they turned away. Now, what he's saying is, if that person comes back, it's all forgiven. It kind of reminds us of the prodigal son, and Jesus told that story of the prodigal son. He walked away from all that his father had, the comfort, the blessings, the home, the love. He got involved in a multitude of sins, wild living, spending his inheritance on prostitutes and probably so much other. When he finally repents and returns home, his father forgives him for all the bad because he has repented and forgives him for all his multitude of sins and completely welcomes him back into the family. Now, of course, we know that the older brother was pretty miffed about this, right? He thought that was way too much. <clears throat> he didn't deserve this. But then the father in the story is revealing the heart of God by rejoicing over someone who returns, who repents and returns. And so we want to help people return to God, don't we? I mean, there's plenty of people out there. <clears throat> I've had somebody tell me a number of times here that they've, they've been out in the community a lot, and they say, our community, our you know, bigger community here, is full of people who walked the aisle when they were growing up and have nothing to do with Christianity. And so it, it's all over, isn't it? And we don't really have to get into the issue of whether somebody was a believer before or not. We just want to be a positive influence by pointing the way to Christ. We want to see somebody come to Christ. And James is actually here speaking to those who have remained faithful to the truth, isn't he? You know, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way. <clears throat> and he's saying how wonderful it is when a brother or sister in Christ is able to help someone come to their senses and return to the truth. It's like a rescue mission on the highest possible level. 
rescuing someone who has turned away from the truth, heading toward eternal destruction, and when they turn back, they become right with God with full forgiveness. The ultimate rescue mission that will make an eternal difference. Now, <clears throat> I just want to end here on, with a few words, practical words on helping a person turn back to the Lord. And some of you may have others, <clears throat> other thoughts on this too. But there's really no one proven formula, is there, for turning somebody, helping somebody turn back to the Lord? Because people turn away from God for all kinds of reasons. I mentioned a bunch of them earlier. And people turn back to God for all kinds of different reasons. But we don't have any guarantee on any one person. It just has to be their decision because it has to be from their heart. And no matter what their words are, you know, we have to believe it from within, within us. But I believe our first step is to be in continual daily prayer. I think prayer, oftentimes, you know, we, we may think of prayer as praying and boom, it happens. And that's when we, we were so happy because we just prayed and it happened. But I think prayer has a much wider play in our lives. I believe that prayer is something that we engage in continually, constantly. And then what happens, I think, a lot of times and some of us can testify to that, what happens is as you're praying and praying, situations change. A person loses a job, somebody moves, you know, whatever happened, all these things start happening in the people we're praying for, their lives and our lives and our situations, and then all of a sudden you find yourself or you find that person running into somebody who can share the gospel with them. So <clears throat> I think the first step is to pray, and just to pray and pray and pray. And I know some of you have prayed for people for years, and I think that's the way to do it. And I think a lot of times when we do that, the way that that person might come to the Lord or have a chance to hear it again is a way we would have never thought of. It's just that God worked through our prayers. And so we repeatedly go to God in prayer for that person, however long it takes. Uh, one man I remember said he prayed for 40 years for his brother. And his brother finally came to the Lord. Then I believe if there is any kind of grievance between us and the person we're praying for, if we can, we want to resolve that grievance. You know, to make, to, to have some kind of reconciliation there because... <clears throat> Uh, you know, to have something between us, it's not going to be very easy to help somebody come back to Christ if there's something that they hold against us or something that has happened that hasn't been reconciled. And so it may take asking for forgiveness. And I've heard people say, and I'm not one to stand as, as one who does this all the time, but I've heard people say, if it's 95% their fault and 5% your fault, just ask for forgiveness for that 5%. And then sometimes that'll open up their 
there's some troubling matter between us and a person, as much as we can help solve that matter or take care of that matter or talk through that matter, then I think the much better chance is that person would listen to the gospel. And I think that after praying regularly and trying to reconcile any differences or problems, I believe seeking understanding of that person's situation and the events of their life. Like, <clears throat> somebody may be going through something that we have no idea, even though we may know them pretty well. And I think, you know, w when we talk about trying to help somebody come back to Christ, we, talk, we think about what we can say to them. Man, if I just said this, that's kind of the way my mind thinks. If I, if I would just say this, maybe they would. But I think now, as listening to others, I think the first thing to do is just start asking questions. And just getting into their lives, and not in a nosy way, but just in a friendly way. And it might require building a friendship asking questions that show care and concern and not feel like they have to accept Christ right at your first meeting, but it could be a long process. And I think it's amazing how easy it is to have some kind of breakdown with someone and later find out that it was all due to a total misunderstanding. But it was never talked out. It was never discussed. And you're thinking, is that all it was? Could have been solved three years ago, five years ago, whatever. Or someone has turned away from God for a reason that no one dreamed of. And when you actually find out, you've asked questions and find out, they were hurt by some total misunderstanding. And asking questions show that we, shows that we are concerned for them. And it may bring up something to the light that we had no idea existed. So it's, it, it could be building a friendship, asking questions, building a level of trust. And it may turn out to be something relatively simple that will actually save someone from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So it may be that one day we will find ourselves involved in a rescue even greater than Jessica's. A rescue that will make the difference in someone's eternity. That will help someone turn from the error of their sin and save them from death. And then we will be able to rejoice with them for all eternity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these scriptures. <clears throat> we thank you for the light that they shine for us to find out more about you and what Christianity is really all about. And Lord, we pray that we could be someone that you use 
We can be people that you would use to help people turn back to you. And Lord, there are so many in this community that have just wandered away. And it even makes it harder because they, they, you're asking them to come back to something they've rejected. But Lord, help us to have that ministry and help us to be involved in rescue missions and find people come back to you and give their hearts to you. We pray in Jesus' name.